Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. I'm Allie J. And I'm Crystal O. And welcome to Not Your Token Black Girl, where we recover from spreading black girl magic wherever we go. From careers and cocktails to men and mental health, we're breaking it all down on what it means to wear the token crown. So if you've ever said, I'm not your token, fill in the blank, then this podcast is for you. A fun and witty show that's a little bit shady, but 100% true. It's Saturday brunch combo with the girls in a quick 20 minutes. Now let's get started. On today's episode, we're continuing the conversation on race and our experiences in America with some special guests. We're joined by Taylor and Alyssa, co-hosts of Table Flipping Podcast, and Krista and Lindsay, co-hosts of Almost 30 Podcast. Okay, guys, so we're going to jump in um, with what I think is a fun question. Who knows a Karen and does that term offend you? Does everyone know what Karen, who Karen is? We can start there. <laughs> we all, we know, we're all nodding. We yeah, all know. I think we're we all, all not sure of the rules of speaking. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like, <laughs> Go. Um, um, Krista. Do I know a Karen? Um, I'm trying to think if I know a I definitely, I mean, I'm from Ohio, so I, I definitely, I think I was born to a Karen, probably. Um, I don't know a Karen personally, because I feel like in LA, there aren't any, but, and the term, of course, doesn't offend me at all. I mean, it's just, you know, like an internet term that is sort of going around to, as a response to like, a lot of people that have been repressed and hurt by people that are types of Karens. It's just kind of one of those things. So no, it doesn't offend me at all. Yeah. Taylor, what about you? Uh, certainly doesn't offend me at all. And I mean, I feel like my first interactions with Karens, while I don't know one personally or, or friends with a Karen, has been uh, working in the restaurant industry <laughs> with just mm-hmm. like uh Karen's being incredibly like rude and crossing boundaries and uh, hurting a lot of feelings. But I actually, Alyssa knows about this. I had a weird Karen interaction on the street the other day, like driving my car where just a older white lady was super, super cruel and mean to me. And, and like out of nowhere, I wasn't interacting with her at all. And I was like, wow, this is, uh, this was, I'm reading about you online a lot (laughs) about people like you. I know who you, I know you're Karen. Yeah. Uh, so, but no, I can't, fortunately, I can't say that I'm like friends with or in my closer so- social group, know a Karen. Yeah. Well, it seems like the ladies on the conversation tonight are pretty woke and have a, a woke tribe, if you will. So <laughs> I'll toss out an easy one. Um, what is your opinion on all lives matter versus black lives matter? And I will, I'm going to hop in really quick because I, I kind of want Alyssa to give her rant because I know you guys did, you just did a podcast on this. You know, I'm a fan first. So like <laughs> I listen to you guys all the time. I know about the stuff that just happened with Vanderpump. And so, you know, which was fucking insane to me because I used to watch Vanderpump too and I would see these things and I really didn't, even me as a black woman, wasn't registering it. Right. What happened? Um, yeah. So I wanted Alyssa to go off on that, like kind of talk about, share your experience and, and really what you think. Um, Cause I, th- I think that the way that you explained it on your podcast was pretty phenomenal and it made a lot of sense. And I think it would help for, I think for our listeners to see that perspective. Um, Cause we do have a lot of black female 
uh, women that are listening as well as other races. And I think it was great for what you did to your listeners, but I would love our listeners to hear that shit too. <laughs> Outside of you telling them, go listen, <laughs> you know? I, I think, um, well, first of all, I think the phrase all lives matter is just like some petty bullshit centering your own experience when other people are trying to point out that there's pain and suffering in their experience. It doesn't always have to be something that's centered around you. I, I've never I've never thought that that phrase was something that was okay to say. Um, I think what you're referring to that we talked about on our podcast was like, part of what I realize that is a privilege, part of my privilege is watching these shows Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Real Housewives of New York, Vanderpump Rules, and not being just completely like flabbergasted by only white women representing all of these cities, you know? And, and also during that time, it was like video after video of police violence against a bunch of protesters. And I was like, I consider myself somebody who's very plugged in. And I was shocked every single time I was seeing all of this stuff. Um, And that's also part of privilege. Um, And I just think it's like, we have to hold ourselves accountable to be fans of things that are more representative of what cities look like and what people look like. And sure, we can be fans of things that are silly and dumb, but it's a problem if we're not, if we're, if we have a city about, or if we have a show about New York City and there's no black women involved and there's only, there, I mean, not, there's, there's nobody except for white women involved who are like very, very much plugged in into white privilege and, and old money and all of that. That's not what New York City looks like. That's not what LA looks like. Um, yeah, I, I just, people, I, the bottom line to me, all lives matter is like, just can you just shut the fuck up about yourself for 10 <laughs> seconds honestly like let someone else tell you what their life is like and listen to them and receive it with compassion it just doesn't seem we don't need that phrase <laughs> that's what i feel that's fair krista what are your thoughts i think it's like a perfect response it's like the the it's like the almost stereotypical perfect response that white people would have because they feel like they're being threatened so they have to like in some way manipulate it to victimize themselves and to make it about themselves. It's like, you know, when black people finally feel like they have like something to stand on, which is the fact that black men are twice as likely to get killed by police officers when unarmed than white men. And they're using this movement to eradicate white supremacy and to call attention to the movement and um, just do so much. It's like, we are begging you with this information and with this movement to listen to us. And then for white people to be like, yeah, you know, but like all lives matter. And just to like manipulate and twist it is like so typical, you know? And it's just like, it's just heartbreaking to see that people would manipulate words in that way to make something that generally on a baseline level makes sense when someone says, yeah, actually everyone's lives matter to like be something that like could take away from the black, from black lives is just terrible. But yeah, to the, to the fact of the shows, like I've never, I used to fuck with, housewives and when I was in college and then same with bachelor like that shit is so fucked up in the way that it is about race it is like it's monstrous like it is that is like terrible especially for bachelor it's like it's completely not right and all those shows need like a whole makeover they need a whole new squad of like people that are actually making it real because it's so ridiculous yeah, we saw this morning, just specifically on the topic of The Bachelor, that Rachel Lindsay, who's the only black bachelor yeah, or bachelorette, she's like, Dallas. hey, I'm yeah. not going to be like some shield for your racism. Like, I'm going to get out of here if we're really not going to make any changes, which I think is oh, yeah. awesome, you know? Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's very interesting that you say that because growing up um part of the reason our our podcast is called not your token black girl is because Allie and i have lived a life of being the only one very much a, a black girl token um and so growing up i had a i was often the only one and so that's when friends was popular and the bachelor and then the bachelorette and my white girlfriends couldn't figure out why i wasn't into it uh, and i was like i there's literally no one 
that looks even close, like not even like a Latina, um, Middle Eastern, hell, I'll take an Asian. Like there's no one of any type of color um, or that could be deemed other. Um, everyone is white. And so it makes me feel like maybe I'm not the audience that they're interested in catering to because they're not interested in including characters that I could relate to. And not saying that I only need characters that look like me that I can relate to. Heck, one of my favorite movies is Legally Blonde. Um, but that's because she's a badass. She doesn't need a man to get what she wants. And then she ends up getting the right man in the end. So it's not to say that you can't relate to a character that looks different from you. Um, but when it seems like that's a lot of effort uh, to make sure that there's no one that looks different. Um, and so for them to take that effort, it, it felt alienating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also wonder what you think about too, about, you know, I, I do think that I am seeing more diversity in media and commercials, movies, TV, etc. However, to your point and to your podcast name, there is this like tokenization. Mm-hmm. So there's like one black girl, mm-hmm. there's one Asian guy, and mm-hmm. there's one Latina. So mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, and, and we see this when Krista and I are, you know, speaking in public, like looking at panels, like, okay, so there's one black girl? You know, mm-hmm. we've had conversations with brands because we're like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. there is something to the tokenization that actually it, 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 it feigns effort. And like you said, is kind of a shield mm-hmm. to any pushback. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know, is, is, is helping the representation. Mm-hmm. So do you have mm-hmm. any thoughts on that? I feel like for the longest time, um, I'll speak for black women yeah, I won't say all minorities. I'll speak for Black women because that's that's the life I'm living. Um, we felt like, thank God we finally got one. So let's not complain, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think the great awakening, if you will, that America is going through, we're now saying, I mean, we took it because that was all we had, but really that's not good enough. Um, and, it's, and it's not just in entertainment. I know we've got, you know, um, some people in the Hollywood circles speaking as our guest today, um, but it, it fans outside of Hollywood. I remember Allie, I can't remember what birthday it was, um, and I wanted to get her a birthday card. I had to go to multiple stores to find a birthday card with a Black woman on it. I mean, Papyrus makes these super cute cards, rarely a person of color. And I didn't want to get her the one with the popsicle or the shoe or the purse. I wanted to get her a card with a fabulous black diva because that is who she is. And it took up my Saturday morning looking. And when I finally found it, I bought multiple. So I wouldn't have to do it again. I left a few because I knew there was someone else coming behind me, but um, it's little things like that. Um, it's me pushing my two-year-old to have a Peppa Pig themed birthday party, um, instead of, I think it's like Sophia the Great. I can't find a black princess besides Princess and the Frog, and she was a frog most of the time. So can we go with Peppa? Because I want you to be surrounded, and she doesn't necessarily have to just be surrounded by black dolls, black figures. That's not how we're raising her. She's, she's got everything, but from, I just don't have the effort or energy to give effort to find things where I'm represented mm-hmm. anymore. And so I think it spans outside the TV shows and entertainment. I mean, it literally impacts every, yes, every aspect of our lives. Yeah. Just to make a quick shift, cause this is something that I've, I've wanted to ask and one of the main reasons we wanted to do the podcast is to kind of understand a little bit more about you guys' individual experiences when you did, when you seen something happen or when, when was the point in your life where you were like, actually, I need, like, I'm not very woke. Was it this George Floyd situation? Right. Cause I feel like there's now, and I gave this analogy earlier to a friend about, you know, because we, we talk a lot about planting the seeds and to 
to get understandings or whatever. But I feel like the seeds were planted a long time ago and the bloom is fucking bloomed, right? And so now it's like what you're choosing to see. And so, you know, I, I, I would want to know kind of when did you guys realize your white privilege and, you know, how did that affect you and how did you pivot because of it? Um, I took a class in junior college and I had this like amazing professor and I was auditing the class trying to get in and he, and it was sociology of ethnicity and race. And he was like, if you want to get into this class, then get up in front of this, uh, all your fellow classmates and I'm going to put an ethnicity on the board and I want you to guess what each student is. And I was like, no, I can't do that. And it was tough. You wouldn't accept like, you know, not applicable or whatever. It was embarrassing. And in that class, he did a ton of exercises like that. And we did um, Peggy's knapsack of privilege, which was very interesting. Like I'll never forget learning that band-aids are skin colored, but they're not skin colored, you know, and yeah. things like you're talking about with the birthday cards. And there's all these tiny things that we take for granted that reflect white worldview and the default is whiteness and mm -hmm. everyone's expected to relate to that. Mm -hmm. So I think that was the first time I was like 18 or 19 when I was like, whoa, I, nobody's ever talked to me about these things like, like this. Um, and from then on, I, I've tried to be more aware of it, but sometimes you get tricked into thinking like, okay, well now I know the whole thing. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you just never, you just don't. And there's like so many books I, I want to read and podcasts I need to listen to and everything. And that's why I was kind of saying with this whole situation, the fact that I'm still continued to continuing to be shocked by things. It's like, um, it's just a never ending part of my privilege that I'm going to have to actively work to undo. Um, yeah, that's my first direct memory of that. I love that. I similarly have felt like to answer your question, I've had like umpteenth amount of moments that I feel like are wake up kind of moments, including what's happening right now. But I will say my youngest and like kind of most profound one that I looking back, didn't even realize how big of a deal it was, was I, I grew up in the Bay area I was born in San Francisco and went to a public school in San Francisco and my best friend's parents like didn't speak English. My class was incredibly diverse. My third grade class, I was the only white girl. Um, and that was just what I knew. And then in fifth grade, I moved to Oklahoma oh, God. and I went and I, and I just like had never, I, and so I'm in fifth, you know, you're still super young. And I went to my first day of school and it's, only white kids and it's a huge school and I was shocked and my mom picked me up and I was like I said it she said I said it to her like I was I was like mom everybody is white like you're not gonna believe me and my mom was like well yeah this like this is like a super white state and I was like what do you mean I was like so blown away and it was a weird teaching moment that like I I, and I love my parents. I think they did the best they could, but I don't think my mom was equipped with necessarily the best language to like talk to me about it. Cause I think it wasn't super like sensitive and thought out. She was just like, yeah, so California where we were living is like more diverse than here. It's just not. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't part of a bigger conversation. And I continued to move around a lot and was like paying attention to the kids who were around me in school. And I, I don't know. I feel like there were so many moments of being like, I need to be aware of my, the community that I'm living in. And I would have moments like what Alyssa was saying of feeling like, okay, I, I know what's going on. and <laughs> I fucking wouldn't. I just wouldn't. Um, and I remember also having conversations uh, when Obama ran that were very enlightening to me. And that was like a big part of my I guess, enlightenment journey, and which is still continuing, but. Man, remember the Obama days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, full sentences, that made sense. Honestly, wow. <laughs> that, was, that was a good time of life. <laughs> sentences. Um, I could go. So I'm trying to think. So I grew up, yeah, small town in Ohio, very conservative. Um, there wasn't that many, you know, black people at my school. We didn't have much diversity anywhere. It was really like cornfields. Um, 
And so, you know, I went to Chicago after college, my group became more diverse. And then when I moved to New York, it became more diverse. But my journey really began like 2018, when we started to explore, you know, the topic of privilege and systematic racism on the podcast. And I've always been someone that's interested in change. And I've always been someone that doesn't fear things that are hard and doesn't fear like having my identity shift or evolve. It's always been something I've really enjoyed about my life. And it wasn't like I enjoyed uncovering the ways in which I'd benefited from being white, like at all. But it felt like the more I could really know myself and the more that I could really know myself in the world, the more I could experience the world. And um, we're actually re-releasing an episode we did on white fragility on the podcast tomorrow. And it was like so emotional for me. I was bawling in the episode, like just, and, and even today, like if I talk to, to black women about their experience, I will bawl. And it's not like a victim thing. It's just like the pain that black women hold and like, I don't know, it just always profounds and stuns me. But so from 2018, we really started to integrate, you know, anti-racism practices within our company and just educating ourselves. And um, it's been really cool. And in doing it, I've learned to know myself. I've learned to trust myself. And I've now have some of my deepest relationships with women are with black women. And it's been like the most beautiful thing for me to know that like through the work, I've been able to trust myself. And then like black women have also been able to trust me too. Because I've always said, like, no one sniffs out bullshit like black women. <laughs> like, yo, if you are not, <laughs> if you are not yourself, if you are not truthful, if you are not honest, they will not fuck with you. Like, you guys are literally sniff out bullshit like a motherfucker. So it's been like <laughs> my ability to like sniff out my own bullshit has just been really like the whole process. But yeah, it's a lifelong journey. And I really, you know, could spend my whole life doing more of it. And um, similar to Krista, I grew up in a in a small town in Pennsylvania, and you know I went to an all girls private Catholic school from seventh grade on, and the the black girls in my grade, who were some of my closest friends, um, were the only girls on scholarship from a nearby town called Trenton, which is notorious an area that is ridden with crime, poor, and not knowing much more than that, that is kind of just what I knew about why they were able to go to this school. Um, it didn't necessarily make me treat them differently, but that is just like something that we understood. And so I'm just kind of like reflecting back now and, and on their experience within a predominantly white school with like white nuns walking around you know and um pretty straight laced uh and not having these conversations so i'm i'm just kind of thinking about about that and then um you know continuing on to a very like pretty white conservative university and it really wasn't until like krista said you know we we became you know public figures of sorts right and so in in that there is this magnifying glass on on your life and it's such it is such a privilege and i have just been in this like rocket ship of growth ever since we started the podcast and what's what i'm so grateful for is that you know what we do we get to be ourselves for better or for worse mm -hmm. and in doing that work i have certainly uncovered ways in which my upbringing has, you know, not shown me my own privilege. In fact, there are parts of the narrative in my upbringing that kind of told me that like, you know, I had it hard and I'm going to work hard and put my head down and it's, it's never easy. You know, there was this like kind of different narrative that I was hearing from um, my parents because that was their narrative as well. And I really, I was unable to see the ways in which I truly benefited from every system throughout my life until we started to have 
conversations on the podcast and really look at our privilege and our white fragility and our responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, having a community of you know women, white women, black women, women of color, who are so open, ready, willing, awake, um, and willing to hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, love each other enough to be like, hey, what you said actually made me feel this way. And this is my experience. Like, let me, let me bring to light what, what you might not see or what you might not know has been um, really, really beautiful. It doesn't mean it's easy. Um, but what I've been thinking about lately, last thing is, you know, we have, as white women have been the beneficiaries of racism in this country and there is right now and i don't know in the last few years there has been this quote unquote kind of like embarrassment energy around it and i'm grateful that you know we're in a space where it's like there's no there's no fucking room for embarrassment like it is like invitation on like at a hundred it's like it is so clear to Krista and I that anytime we feel a ping of like discomfort, we're like, oh, going in. Like this is like, and it and it's, you know, it is our work and it is, it is our responsibility. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that is super important to us. And like Krista said, it's just like such a, a privilege to be able to grow. You know what I mean? Like, and to have, resources and people to have these honest conversations. I'm so grateful for this conversation to where we can just learn more and more. Yeah. You know, like that is the point. And, um, yeah, that's been my experience. I love that because one of the questions I had, um, I'm a nerd, so I like Spider-Man and there's a quote, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, and I, and we wanted, obviously we listened to both of y'all's podcasts and we wanted to know how you were going to continue educating your followers and holding them accountable. Um, because, um, obviously Ali and I are active on social media and we see a lot of posts saying, I'm losing followers, I'm losing followers. And in the comments we're starting to see, but you're gaining the right ones, you're gaining the right ones. Um, so how are you? I love to hear that you, you feel responsible. And I love to hear that you guys are re-airing that episode on white fragility. Um, I guess my question then becomes, how are you holding your followers accountable? Um, and do you feel that's your responsibility? And, you know, we are running businesses here, right? A podcast, fortunately, we get to be ourselves, but at the end of the day, it is a business. So it is at, at least for me, I had to stop and say, okay, how woke do we want to appear? We don't want to come across as the angry token black girls. Um, so what were those conversations that you might've had or with your podcasting partner, or maybe internally saying, how much of my brand am I willing to expose and possibly hurt um, in order to push forward the right narrative right now? That's an awesome question. Yeah. I can kick it off a little bit with uh, just like the conversations that Alyssa and I had last week where it was like, we want to, we want to make this entire episode about Black Lives Matter. And how do we, how do we do that in a way that is still like honoring what the podcast is? So it is not just us, I don't know, like seemingly just doing it. And it's important to remember that the whole reason we made the podcast is because we have this like mutual love and interest in the topic in women in reality TV, something that we've always related to and we wanted to celebrate. And now we're finding out there's like all of these layers and all of these things that relate to our privilege that like let us get to do that in the first place. And if we really want to unpack the and honor the topic at all, the whole thing that we're discussing on our podcast, we do have to talk about how it pertains to Black Lives Matter, how it pertains to the current civil rights movement. What can we do as viewers to make sure the shows that we're watching are the best versions that they can be? What have we, what like mistakes have we made? How can we be better? So it, it became like suddenly very easy to go, well, if the podcast is about us being ourselves and talking about what we care about, this is what we care about. This is the most honest version of the podcast. And 
I hear you that there is, I guess there's like, you run maybe a risk of people going, well, this is not what I signed up for, but it, but it is, it is what you signed up for. If you want to hear about Taylor and Alyssa flipping tables, like this is the freaking table we're flipping right now. So it's still honoring what we signed up to do. And it's the most honest version of the pod. And you're right. If we lose you, good riddance. I mean, that bums me out because I wish you would stay and engage in the conversation, but it's still, it's still staying true to the podcast because it's still what we're passionate about. And you're, all of you are right as to be a, a good podcast host is to be yourself and to stay authentic in that way. So it became, while I had a hiccup of being like, how do we do this in the right way? It like suddenly all became very clear that was like, oh, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. It's just that now what, what we're talking about is a lot more important and isn't that exciting. Yeah, I think there's also, and I felt this when we first started, because I had never done a, you know, my own podcast before, there was like this false choice between like, how political do I want to be about something that's supposed to be relaxing and fun. And it's not political. It's, it's your real life. <laughs> like, I think we get put in this box, like box, like keep politics out of sports or keep politics out of this. And it's like, you can't because like who I am as a person is part of how I'm treated by society, right? So like, if I see a room of all white people, it's saying that it's acceptable for the white people to say the N word, and there's no other like checks and balances in that conversation, like on Vanderpump Rules, like, that's not politics, that's part of the conversation about being a fan of a show. And I can't be a fan of a show that thinks that that's acceptable to do over and over and over again, because that's not how I personally treat people in my life. And that's not how I I spend my time or my money on, on like institutions that think that that's okay. So it became very clear, like, especially this week that those two things are fused and I don't really have any interest in hearing people say like, we need to do more work on separating them anymore. And most of those people are just trolls. Like we, when we posted our, um, image for our, for the episode where we talked about Black Lives Matter. Somebody was trying to tell us that it was like inaccurate and a bad example. And I was like, just get the fuck out of here. Like, this is bullshit. Like mm-hmm. you, you're just like splitting hairs to pick a fight. And like, I don't, I don't need you to follow us. Like there's other followers, you know, it's, we'll be fine. Thank you very much. I love it. Yeah. There's so many layers to, um, to almost 30. So it's, you know, been, it's been a a really cool time to see where um, we can continue to one amplify black voices where we can um, encourage these two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious say hello to donato's new bacon duo pizzas two pizzas each with two kinds of bacon Try the new pepperoni bacon duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the chipotle bacon duo with Canadian bacon and chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important conversations and actually create more thoughtful containers within our Facebook group. Our Facebook group is really where um, our community, you know, supports and talks to one another, asks each other questions, has these conversations. And so um, we have a team of moderators, um, two white women, two black women, uh, and two Latinas. And so we're going to have monthly town halls where we can, can be in conversation around these issues, for example, and and it's been just really beautiful to see them, you know, organically talk about it and not have that specific container. Yeah. But I do think it's important that, you know, as a brand, as as the leaders of Almost 30, Krista and I do create this container for them. Um, and then also we do digital workshops. So we're gonna do a digital workshop on white privilege and white fragility. Um, 
we have our retreat coming up and it's just wanting that space to be, and it is, um, we've done that like for our events since the get, but just being thoughtful about, um, you know, representation in our healers and experts and people who are attending the retreat, making it accessible, making it a space where we can have these conversations. Um, so yeah, there's so many parts. I'm sure Krista, you can add, add to it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've been talking about for like, oh, maybe over a week now, just like my biggest fear would be for this to just be an entire social media bullshit moment where everyone's posting everything, but no one's actually doing the work. And it's like made me so appreciative of social media, but also just fearful. You know, there's, if, if someone doesn't have the resources, then I don't know where they're looking or I don't know where they live because every single person on the internet right now has the resources and all the black women, women of color, and even white women in the space have provided them. So now it's just really like encouraging our community to actually stick with it and do the work. Um, but we hired a diversity and inclusion, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion coach probably a year and a half ago. And we've been working together, you know, just to make sure that we're being super thoughtful and that we're covering our blind spots within our team, that our team is diverse, that we have a diversity mission statement, that we have a foundation that allows our growth be inclusive of everyone. So I think that has been like so helpful for us to make sure that we're being thoughtful about this because you know, we probably would have missed a lot of different things. Um, but my real goal is to find ways that can really help our community continue to be accountable over time. So they're not just like inundated and then the next thing happens and they're forgetting about everything. And I think within the conversation, it's so much like, I remember when I first discovered my privilege, it was so shameful and I felt guilty but it really is the work that happens at home and by yourself rather than that happens when you're just reposting something that you saw online. So it's so much work that happens offline that we really want to encourage within our community. Um, and then to the question of, do I feel responsibility? I'm really working in therapy to untangle my feeling of responsibility for others healing. That's like one of my deep things. I felt deeply responsible for my mother's healing and I wasn't able to get it. And I literally, pains me today. So I'm working on not being responsible for other people's healings, but it's hard to not feel responsible. I mean, if I'm in the Facebook group and I see people not having a conversation in a kind way or whatever, I'm like, it's the only thing I think about. So it's something that I'm really working on. Um, but I'm trying to, you know, focus on my own healing to be an example. I, I want to just add too. I think one thing Taylor and I have talked about as well, like we were so focused on having 50-50 men and women guests on our podcast. And now we're like, okay, it's, it's more than that. Like we both work in TV comedy, which is largely dominated by white men. And that's where we get a lot of our guests. So we need to be conscious of that and put our money where our mouth is and like really push to reach out to people that we might not just like talk to, you know, at our job or whatever. Um, and make sure that we're getting all perspectives and having fun with that on our podcast. And also the housewives that we talk about, make sure that that's representative as well. I mean, like we talked about Atlanta and Potomac are as fantastic franchises and we just want to make sure that we're like getting our guests to talk about what they love about those women too, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, I love that. And I love the plug of Insecure too, because that's like my favorite show. Oh my oh, gosh. I'm like, like obsessed. Yeah. I mean, Molly's doing the most, but I still I love, love the show. We were backstage at something and Issa Rae spoke. Oh my gosh. No, I we froze. I think I freaked her out. When I left, she was like, after a person, she's like, who was that? I was like, Issa, I'm a huge fan. Everyone's like, backstage, you can't like do that. Like, I'm doing it. I'm going to do it right now. Take my picture. <laughs> that's, that's literally my life. I'm just like, I'm going to be your friend now. Be my friend. Calling you home. It's just like, no, everybody's not your friend. I'm like, I have no, to get on her all the time. I may or may not have reached out to Amanda Seals. I was like, how big do we want to freak? Fuck you know? yeah. Uh, she never responded. It's okay. But Auntie Amanda, okay. if you hear this, you're welcome to come on at any moment. This is your um, <laughs> Speaking of Insecure, obviously huge fan of this show, but I think the work that they're doing is so important, especially right now, because I do think that um, 
as black women, as black people, but I'll, I'll speak for black women, we have so many masks that we're forced to wear to be successful in American society. Um, I'm always joking, like I've got my nine to five white girl voice. Um, there's a quote, anything is possible if you sound white on the phone. So I've got yeah. my white girl voice. Wow. In- and then I've got my Alex, let me tell you what happened to me today. You won't believe this bullshit. Um, so like where I can relax and let a little bit of my black girl magic come out. Um, so I love that they're showing all of the different masks that we have to wear with each other, um, with people that are of different races and different settings where, you know, a lot of the white women, even in my inner circle, they're the same, no matter where they are. And I'm like, what a privilege to be able to get drunk at the holiday party. My black ass can't do that. Um, you know, <coughs> excuse me. So Alex, you want to talk about that a little bit? I mean, even being able to assert myself in certain situations and even like, I mean, in the industry I'm in, so I own a marketing agency and I primarily do influencer marketing. Right. And so I work with a lot of big brands and a lot of the times what they're looking for and, you know, it's similar to the talent industry with modeling and that sort of thing. They're always asking for like, find the white girl that's like a lifestyler, um, has this many followers. And I always try to make it a point to include um, people of color, black people, you know, like yeah, all the time. And they never get picked in those, in the scenarios, right? With these bigger brands. And so that started to irritate me a lot. Um, I feel like things are changing. I know you guys touched on it with the Estee Lauder thing. And I know a lot now, even a lot of, um, a lot of people are starting to list the brands that they're like, we don't fuck with them. Okay. You know, so that there are other brands that are trying to include diversity. And I'm excited to see that as I do more campaigns, I'm like, okay, you want some black people in this campaign? Okay. I like it. Right. So that's exciting to see. But I do feel like in general, I almost feel like too, and I'm a space cadet sometime and I have like a billion ideas in my head right now. So I'm jumping topics again, but basically I feel almost relaxed, which is another reason I want to have this conversation um, is I feel because it's highlighted now that white people, white women are seeing the problem And really, you know, there's a lot of them that are trying to do the work. You guys are trying to do the work and trying to understand. Whereas before, I feel like, and Alyssa, I'm taking your word because you said that you're just disengaged. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not racist. You're not, you don't have a a side, right? But you're just disengaged. You don't understand our struggle and how we're dealing with things day to day where we do have to act different in the workplace which is a large part of the reason I became a business owner. Cause I was like, I can't do this thing. Like, I don't like not being me. Like I like me. I want to be me all the time. Like that's just the thing. And so I can use my real voice. I can wear my hair in a big Afro or dreads if I want to, or, you know, and not feel like I'm not going to get these positions. I'm not going to climb. I can't work with this client, you know? So I'm glad that the light has been shed and I do feel like I'm, so happy about this conversation because it makes me feel I feel really comfortable and I feel like things are changing I'm a big optimist too I know we have a lot of work to do and I you know I think that leads me to my next another question is just like what what do you guys see as like the outcome like I know you guys are all doing the work individually and as on your platforms and that sort of thing but like what as a whole do you think you your community needs to do to really like make this shit like change. Like yeah. how do we change? I just want world peace. Yeah, I feel you. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just this deep grounded awareness that it is always a process. And like it is our growth as human beings is infinite. You know what I mean? And, and part of the, part of the human experience, if you are, you know, an aware human being is 
being aware and supporting and loving and taking care of your fellow human being. And that is like a gift that I think a lot of people um, overlook and, you know, voluntarily pass on because they think they need to be in this world for themselves because who else is going to look after them? So I think like that's where the shift is going to come in terms of like just a broad, a broad stroke of like us actually caring about other human beings who have not benefited from the systems that we have benefited from, just having that really deep awareness in everything that we do and making it something so second nature. You know, I, I, I think right now, you know, I hear a lot of white people saying like, oh, like, this is uncomfortable. Like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I don't, there's so much to do and like that will be done. And there is so much to being with that feeling and knowing that that feeling that you're feeling has so many layers to it that as long as you are willing to be with it and to unpack it and to ask the right questions and be present to your own growth and evolution, like you will get there. And I think conversations like these are going to be such medicine for the world. I mean, I was talking to my boyfriend is black and he is at a financial firm that is predominantly white men and they're having conversations like these. He's like just having Zoom calls with whoever wants to show up and having like venting sessions and just talking about the current climate and, and what they can do at the firm to to just have these conversations that will hopefully, you know, empower the black people at the firm to feel like they can have a voice and that their experience is worthy of attention and uh, change within the firm. But then also to give the white people <laughs> the opportunity to be like, I don't know what to say. And also, yeah, I, I think I've been a part of the problem, you know, and like just to like kind of have that like, moment of breath with each other right and then like progress can start to happen i think but yeah i think the conversations are just so important i think one I think, thing that oh go ahead Terry, taylor sorry sorry no this is i think i've just been thinking about how even outside of the podcast we i mean we're talking about how this is of course a marathon and it's made me think like i do feel for example like in hollywood i'm an actor and I have seen moments in the process of creating a show, and it's usually around casting, when the team is like, okay, what parts can we make people of color? Or can we, how can we like diversify this story? And I think what can be really exciting about this time is then to go, that's not enough. It's not enough that you have a step where then you think about these things. Why don't we, why isn't this omnipresent in our creative process? Why, when we're deciding the stories to make and deciding the stories to highlight and picking storytellers, let's start there. Let's have this always be a part of the conversation because I do think it's part of that disengagement we're talking about where it's like, well, I'm still being... I'm still being aware, and but I'm, I'm checking in at this point. It's like, don't check in. Have it always be there. Um, so I've been trying to think about the ways that I can do that, whether it's in this podcasting world that we're in or whether it's when I'm at work and like trying to challenge the people around me when those conversations come up. I don't have a lot of power as an actor, but what I can do is at least speak up and like talk about these things when something is obvious. And and it is, it's hard to do, do that. It's like nerve wracking, but I really want to make myself brave enough to be like, why, why let's talk about this all the time uh, because it is a marathon. So it's, yeah, that's just something I've been percolating <laughs> recently. Go yeah. I think um, for me, I've been thinking about, you know, 2020 in general and like the opportunities, like the challenges that we've gone through and the opportunities that we've been given through this like beautiful mirror of understanding how broken our medical and healthcare system is, seeing how broken um, you know, our economic system is, seeing how broken our government system is, seeing how broken our social justice system is, seeing how broken the police, you know, or the, not the police system, but that's that of course, but also like the prison system. Like we have this amazing opportunity to look at all these systems 
in the United States that are completely broken and have been completely hijacked by, um, you know, white supremacy and oppression of black people and people of color. So I have hope, I think it might take a little bit longer, but I have hope for the younger generations for that they can see with clarity, like all of the things in which where we've failed or where we have just lived in like a low grade pain for so long. And now we have an opportunity to potentially change it because now we know how bad it is. So I'm hopeful that, you know, over the next couple of years that we can really just use it as an opportunity to look at all things in our existence and make them better. Where would we start if obviously we've got a lot to fix? Yeah. Our opinion, where do we start? I've been thinking about that a lot lately because like I was listening to a podcast episode about politics and it was like about our political system. And usually, you know, I'm someone that's like, I'm not interested in politics. Like this is like too much. It's not. But then I was thinking about how that's such a privileged position and I'm not interested because it hasn't affected me. So I've been really trying to get myself into learning more about politics and being more politically involved because it's one of those things where everyone's like, you know, oh, politics is whatever. But it's like, that's where we technically can work within the system now to make change as we change the system. So we do have to learn to be more politically inept and politically aware because it's the same with our financial system. It, it just fucks us because we don't educate ourselves enough to like work the system like a lot of people have learned to do. Yeah. So I'm really trying to educate myself in those ways to do it. But I think it really does start with educating ourselves about how we can make change through the political system and then hopefully that can be a like domino effect to everything else mm -hmm. but on like a more just quickly on a more spiritual front like through all the learning and all the education i've been thinking lately i'm like what is the the goal and like you know i always like boil everything down like in like a very analytical way and i'm like the goal would be compassion probably because once you learn and then you educate you're able to see yourself in their position you're able to say get angry or get sad or get upset and you're able to have compassion for that other person that ultimately seems like the goal. So it's almost like for the whole, you know, United States to have compassion and empathy and understanding for the ways in which people have, you know, been mistreated and people have been misguided and misled and all of these things. And then on the other front of like a more strategic way would be probably to find ways to work within our current political system to make change. I will say that I love politics and I'm very plugged into politics and I like fucking knocked a thousand doors for poor Katie Hill and um, felt very empowered by that. And one thing that I've learned through this moment in time is like, just because someone is a Democrat does not mean that they're affecting change. And I really had the fucking, you know, whatever, I can't think of the phrase, like, I really had my eyes opened in that arena. You can't just assume somebody is actually holding the same values as you. And I feel like I used to think like, oh, I wanted to be a politician when I was younger. And now it's like, no, people should want to be activists, not necessarily politicians, because mm -hmm. they're the ones that are telling the truth and making the change happen. Um, so that's something that I'm trying to follow. It's, it's just infuriating. <laughs> I am trying to like pump up my inner political Alyssa who goes and knocks on doors and I love it. It's really, it's actually been really great. And I try to focus on like, it seems so daunting. And I think a lot of the reason in addition to being like, well, I don't have to be political up until now is because of my privilege, but it also has to do with this very daunting, uh, so many of the options suck. Like so many times when I've done, sat down and done the research for an election, I'm like, boo, all of these are kind of dumb. I don't like, I can't like, there aren't, there aren't people who excite me. And so I am now at this point where I'm like, this could be, if I'm a part of it and I get myself involved, I educate myself and I get passionate about people and I become the little Alyssa who like knocks on doors, it, there's something super romantic to me about new young and exciting leaders that we can get behind instead of me being just like super lazy and disengaged and privileged and being like well all of the options suck it's like no they're out there and I could be a part of finding them and rooting for them and telling my friends about them and supporting them like there is the ultimate and like very romantic version of a political system and I can be a part of making that happen again so that's been 
helping me try to engage in it more and be more excited about it rather than like, like freaked out. The cool thing about what's supposed to be great about America that's like dwindling and we're trying to save it in some instances still you can piss off a bunch of old rich white guys just by talking to people literally just by knocking doors and leaving a flyer and telling them to vote the opposite way of what they're being shown on tv and i was like so shocked that that actually still works obviously there's systemic racism in voting and voter registration and there's all these problems but the more people that get engaged and the less they feel like they're fucking annoying their friends or whatever it is, the more that things actually shift. I mean, look how much things have already shifted in the last shifted in the last five days. And it's not, it's not anywhere where it needs to be, but it's, it's proof that it's still working even when the president is trying to like deploy our own military on protesters, you know, and that's, that to me is like, hopefully that lasts forever, <laughs> you know? And I think there's a power in our generation, especially. I just think that, um, yeah, I, I think like being born around the time that we were born and seeing through what we've seen through in in our recent history and then looking forward to the future, I just think our voices are so, so powerful. And I'll just echo that, you know, I I never considered myself like interested in politics and I didn't grow up with parents who like talked about politics at all. But I am realizing as I am just thinking about like how important it is that my hand is in my future. And I know that sounds like duh, obviously, but we do have, have power as individuals to create a future that we are proud of, that our fellow human beings can thrive in as well. And that empowers me, that motivates me, that gives me confidence that helps me to trust myself when when I can kind of hold myself accountable to something that is so powerful um I just think that not a lot of people think that their voice matters because they're just one person so I think the message in general of just yes voting making sure that we are being so cognizant of where our money goes whether it's to brands causes you know um whether it's political campaigns, what have you, it is so important because money is power. And so if we're constantly feeding um, a power source that is perpetuate, perpetuating racism, like we've got an issue and it's not going to stop. So we just have to be really careful about where our money is going as well. Yeah. I think that that is like the where our money is going is like a huge piece and I can go on like 15 tangents about it. Um, I think too, you know, again, just to go back within the black community, um, you know, I think we are working towards, I'm not gonna lie, kind of lost my thought here, but I think in general, like we're working towards like trying to build up our community as of now, right? And it's helping that we have allies that are kind of pushing the same thing so that as you guys are like pushing this and we don't necessarily want to coddle you guys, right? Which is, I think, another important thing. And I want to make sure that I'm like telling you my stance on that is that I like that you guys were doing the work and which is why I reached out. Um, but because we don't want to coddle, but we're working to do things within our community and need allies to come in and kind of surround us in that and have and trickle the information down to the people that you are connected with, right? So um, the something as simple as knowing what brands are supporting, I don't know, Trump, right? Like that are supporting white supremacists. Like that stuff is so important. Um, I was really sad about Urban Outfitters, but that's another thing that I'm like, I just won't be a Didn't part of. Know about that one, dude. Every, not every brand, but like Refine or Refinery, Reformation, Revolve. I'm, like, I'm not gonna lie. I started like looking. I was like, Glossier, please put a statement, say something. <laughs> I just my only out your real. Like, yeah, so stressed. But I'm like, I can't support those things anymore. Like I, yeah. I'm going to, I know for myself, I want to be intentional about one who I'm friends with. That was a 
that was a big shift for me. I started having conversations with my friends, like, where's your head at? You know, um, do you care enough about me to understand what I've dealt with? Because I don't think a lot of my friends have ever really thought of the things that I've dealt with, you know, or how I feel in certain positions when I'm the only person, like me and my husband are the only black person in the, at the entire wedding, right. Or the entire event. So it's like those kinds of things. Um, I'm excited to see how people shift and how it changes. Yeah. Just, just tagging on the brand. It has been disappointing. I mean, never in American history have we made it so easy to just say, yes, your little life matters. Like it's real simple. Um, And for you as a brand that has profited off of black dollars and any dollars um, Mm -hmm. for you not to be able to take um, two seconds to tweet that, that to say something, um, even if it's to condemn the unnecessary killing and murder of George Floyd, even if you're not ready to say Black Lives Matter, you're not ready to lose those followers, lose those dollars, what have you. Um, for for the brands that I have been a huge fan of, who mm. can't even have their social media specialist tweet that was wrong, it mm. calls into play everything. So yes, great, you're not testing on animals, but what's the value of a human life? Um, and if a human life being yeah. snuffed out on the side of the street isn't important enough to your bottom line, then why should I spend my, why should anyone spend your dollars? It really becomes, if we can't hold you accountable in the most obvious of situations, um, because I guess if the situation were reversed, I think white female allies are probably who are going to help us get where we need to go. I think white American women hold more power. Um, there's a quote from my big frat Greek wedding where she's like, yes, the husband is the head, but the woman is the neck. <laughs> um, white women are the neck of America, right? So um, I, I think that if the situation were reversed and it was a white woman whose life had been brutally um, and barbarically taken from her on the side of a street, um, okay by four police officers, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. America would be burning to the ground. Um, so to see brands. Police, like that would have been defunded last two, three, four weeks ago. Like Yeah. So it's just to see brands, um, to see even podcasts that I've followed and been, been huge fans of not say something. You can't even put up the black square. Um, you know, I think black people are still graciously accepting what we can get we'll take the square i mean shit Fine. Are. i think me and Crystal are there we're the ones that are like we're like yeah we'll go with that yeah but i i it, it has been very eye-opening i will say and having conversations with um women like you who are so plugged in who are so hell-bent on i'm going to be part of the change um and whether that starts with me whether that starts with you know, my small circle of influence, Chris, I heard you talking about your mom, um, you know, our friends, what have you, and then expanding it to an even bigger platform. It's so encouraging to see, um, because I think as a black woman, I recognize that the playing fields aren't even, and we wouldn't have the traction we have going right now if it weren't for our white female allies um because white women in america can get shit done um we talk about black girl magic and we can get some shit done and we can stuff out the bullshit and all of that but the systems don't work in our favor um they were built to you know maintain the safety and preserve the life of white women and so to see so many like you four and our other um, podcasting colleagues and, and just all of the white women that we're seeing on the front lines in their own way is so encouraging that this won't just be, you know, a moment that kids read about in 50 years. It will really be the, the catalyst mm-hmm. to starting to break down, um, you know, a country that was not set up for everyone to be equal. Ooh, I'm ready to march, baby. Oh yes, this was great. Did y'all go on Sunday? Any of you guys? No. No, No? I was not there on Sunday. Okay. Y'all have been fighting the power all week. And then on Sunday, it was the, I like legitimately have buns of steel right now because I wore my leg weight. 
Dude. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. Oh, and yeah, you no, like, it was the smartest crazy. These are also a weapon, whatever. Right. I'm working out and marching for change. Yeah, that was my thought. I was, was like, it? if shit goes left, I got to wait. Really? I love it. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. Oh, this was so you. fun. Um, I Very hope cool. you leave empowered and more educated and feel more plugged in. Um, Alex and I are always. Um, down for good conversation. This is Allie J. And I'm Crystal O. And that's it for this week. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 12 p.m. Central for another episode of Not Your Token Black Girl. And also be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google. And follow me at Basic Allie on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Crystal O. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. It's Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.